Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. Okay, we're going to cut the chit-chat and get right into the book. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And I want to thank Attorney General James for mentioning our dear friend and colleague, uh, Reverend Calvin Butts, the pastor of Abyssinian Baptist Church, long line of illustrious pastors, luminary pastors, going back to Adam Clayton Powell, uh, Samuel uh, D. Proctor, uh, just amazing, amazing church, amazing influence, and unfortunate. You know, um, looking at Golden Saints, uh, I'm a fugitive from AARP. They keep sending me these letters, <laughs> and I refuse to respond, so let you all know where I'm at. Um, they're after me. I don't know why they're after me like this. You know, I started getting this mail all of a sudden. I don't know why. Praise the Lord. But uh, I had the privilege of working with Reverend Butts uh, with the Council of Churches of the City of New York. He was the president. I was vice president. And when, when he stepped down, I assumed the presidency. And uh, he just, I remember back in 1994 when he was out there, you know, smashing uh, discs and talking about gangster rap and, um, you know, just making a point that there's a problem with the denigration of our women and reinforcement of the stereotypes that are negative stereotypes about communities of color. Uh, I got it. And I did an interview the other day talking about his passing with 1010 Winds News. And I'm, you know, it was kind of like, okay, what came out of it? Well, Ice-T went from cop killer to playing a cop on Law and Order. So maybe something good came out of all of that stuff, you think? Just, just, just maybe. <laughs> and I'm not saying I see kill a cop, but that was a song. Of course, you don't know about that. I know about these things because I'm a critic of social, you know, uh, pop culture, etc. You don't listen to all that stuff, praise the Lord. So you have no idea what I'm talking about. So just take my words for it, praise the Lord. ATS, ATS, not Alliance Theological Seminary in my alma mater. But ages, times, seasons. Ages, times, seasons. Ages, times, and seasons. Jesus said words like, my father works and I work. The apostle Paul put it this way, we are laborers together with God. We are co-laborers. So it's very important that we understand that God is still working. Are you hearing me? God is still at work. There is a theology that says that God created all of this, set it in motion, and left it for us to figure out. Not true. God is actively involved in his creation. It is something called divine providence, the providence of God, his guidance, his protection, and his provision for human society. And the common thread throughout Scripture, the common theme, the common message throughout Scripture is not you're going to hell. It is human thriving. 
because that's what God has called us to. How many got to the scripture that says hell wasn't made for man? I told you, if you don't read it, you won't know what I'm talking about when you come to church on Sunday. How many heard where the scripture says that hell was not made for man? It was made for the devil and his angels. So it's unfortunate, but that tends to be, you know, the only message that some preachers know. I remember when uh, Pastor Karen and I were just talking about this the other night, when we used to, and this is before we were saved, we, before we knew the Lord Jesus Christ, and, you know, she was Methodist, I was with the Nation of Islam, and we would, we would argue over pork, but she, uh, <laughs> she cooked it anyway, and I just, I felt so violated, but... Um, and we would, we would see this guy with a sign, and he would get on and off the bus. And, and sometimes the bus would stop, and he would just step in and scream, Cristo viene pronto! Repent! Jesus is coming fast, soon. Repent. And we just said, you know, what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with these religious people? Until we got the same bug that he had. But... Fire and brimstone in hell is not the central message of the Bible. It is God's love for humanity and his intention for human thriving. So God is at work. God is at work right now. Some people read the book of Genesis, only read two chapters and figure out that God worked and then he's rested, so he's finished. No, 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 no. Don't confuse that. Yes, six days creation, and then God rested. But then we got involved, and he had to go back to work. Turn your neighbor say, it's your fault. <laughs> so ages, times, and seasons. We want to talk about that because we want to discern. We want to know what God is doing. And too often when we talk about signs of the times, we're too busy talking about what the devil do, is doing instead of what God is doing. Amen? So I want to give you some backdrop, and I got permission to preach today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Things they are changing. So in Acts chapter 1, let's go to it. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Acts 1, 7. Reading from the English Standard Version. And this is after Jesus' resurrection, just to review where we were before. This is after his resurrection. He spends recordedly 40 days with his disciples, and he's talking to them about the kingdom of God. And it's interesting because they still didn't understand what he was trying to tell them. And that's why he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Comforter comes, all right, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll bring things to your remembrance. He'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So Jesus did not expect them to understand, even though he was talking to them about the kingdom. And you can tell that they didn't understand because after he talks to them about the kingdom during that period of time, in verse 6, 
Verse 6, so when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. I want you to take a look at that. That the Father has what? Fixed by his own authority. So let me just say this to you. The end of the world, the as we know it, because it's not going to be the end of the planet, it's not going to blow up, but the end of the world, the end of this age, this period in human history, as we have known human history, all right, is going to close with the return of Christ. It's already scheduled. Did you hear what I said? It's already scheduled. But there are people who are trying to figure it out, and that is not our responsibility. It is not our burden. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. This is a conversation. Jesus is talking about his return to the earth to establish the government of God outwardly, openly. Right now, that government is being established in the hearts of human beings who submit to the authority, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Verse 36. Are you there? But concerning that day, the day of his return, and our, no one knows. Let me try that again, in case you didn't hear me. No one knows, not even the, come on, not even the angels. Does that, does that include the devil? All right. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of Man in his humanity, but the, come on, but the, but the, so there are certain, there's certain information that the Father has reserved and has not made open and available, but it's already scheduled. It's already scheduled. Now, this is important because I will tell you, over the last 30 years, I've seen announcements about the date and time and year that Jesus was coming. How many heard some of those announcements? I mean, these are, 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 are supposedly trusted voices, individuals who are, are representative of the Christian community, and they were announcing. I saw flyers go out that he was coming in September 20 years ago. One very prominent radio voice very established radio voice, minister. He was coming, Jesus was coming in 1996, November. This is 2022. We're still here. Jesus didn't come back yet. So the point is, all right, if someone tells you that they know exactly the day and the hour when the Lord is returning, rebuke them. Do what that golden saint did. Get behind me, Satan. Don't get caught up in that because you're not going to somehow extract that information from God or the Holy Spirit. It is reserved. In fact, it's a waste of time to worry about that. You just need to know he's coming. All right? 
And he said he may come when you don't expect him. So just be prepared. Be always ready. Point to be making here, made here is very important. God the Father sets the timetable for all events, worldwide, national, and personal. Come on, put it in perspective. I want it. This is an important statement as you write this down. God the Father. Who? God the Father sets the timetable for all events. Worldwide, national, and personal. Turn your neighbor, say, neighbor, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? I'll give you a minute for that to marinate. <laughs> nothing takes God by surprise. He is in control of the rise and fall of empires, nations, dynasties, etc. And we're going to talk about that backdrop as we understand the signs of the times. Because he expects us to read them. Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of his day because they fail to discern the signs of the time. A sign is an indicator. Something is being signaled about some event that's about to take place that's significant enough that God wants us to be attentive to it. And we'll break down ages, times, and seasons again. I'm going to say it again. Say it with me. God the Father, God the Father sets, the sets the timetable for all events. For all events. Worldwide, Worldwide, national, national and, personal. and personal. Ooh, and personal. Does God set the time for all events in your life? Absolutely. Nothing surprises God. You're surprised. I'm surprised. He determined when things would happen. Does that exempt your free will? Absolutely not. Allows you to make choices. He scheduled it. You're not going to change the schedule. But how things play out and how things process, your will is involved. And he invites that. He invites that. So one more time, say it with me. God the Father sets the timetable for all events, worldwide, national, and personal. Does that mean that he set the timetable for America? For its history, its growth, its development? Acts chapter 17 puts it so beautifully. He's determined the rise and fall of all national entities. He sets up kings, Daniel chapter 2. He puts down kings. He changes times and he changes seasons because it's all working in a specific direction. His work on earth is redemption of humanity and the restoration of Eden. I'm going to try it one more time. The redemption of humanity and the restoration of Eden. And Eden is less a place and more a condition, con condition for existence and a quality of life. 
That's what Eden symbolizes. Where there's no poverty, there's no lack, there's no deficiency. There is order, there's discipline, there's love. God's love, life, and light reigns. That's what he wants to restore. We got a glimpse of it in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3. Things went awry. So he's determined the rise and fall of national entities. When you read the book of Daniel, how many have ever read the book of Daniel? All right. The book of Daniel is powerful in that Daniel is given prophetic insight as to the rise and fall of major empires, beginning with the Babylonian Empire, the transition to the Medes and the Persian Empire, and the transition to the, to the Grecian Empire, and the transition to the Roman Empire. And why was that important? Because it would be during the reign of the Roman Empire that God the Father scheduled the entrance of Jesus Christ into humanity, into human history. So all of these things are part of a divine plan, and so are you. God uses human passions, fears, ambitions, faith, everything at his disposal in order to achieve his plans and purposes without ever violating his nature. That is the wisdom of God. So say it with me. God is at work. Come on, say it again. God is at work. Now you said it. Do you believe it? God is at work. He's at work in human history. He's at work in human society. He's at work in institutions. He's at work in nations, in states, in communities, local cities. He's at work. I need to write that on there because I want inculcate this. God is at work. Oh, that's a good sign. God at work. We usually have men at work. Now to be politically correct, people at work. God at work. Well, we should all have that sign because we're all a construction zone, aren't we? God is at work in the world. And, 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 and before I can give you the backdrop for our ages, times, and seasons, and the signs of the time, and how to discern them, we've got to get this backdrop. God is at work, and he's invited us to work with him. That's why more important than what the devil is doing is what God is doing. Because once you discern what God is doing in human history, you can sign up if you're wise. You want to join him. You want to cooperate with God. He's at work politically. He's at work in, in education, in economics. He's at work in every institution and in every aspect of human society. How many believe he's at work? Yeah. But God operates based upon giving information based upon a need-to-know basis. And most of the time, you don't need to know. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. And he's at work chiefly in three areas. Chiefly Oops, I'm sorry. 
He's at work in many ways, but chiefly in four areas, not three, four areas. How many areas? Number one, he's at work in creation. And I don't mean the original creation of the heavens and the earth. God is still creating. Got to get this. God is still creating. Some people think he went on vacation. He's been at rest for the last several thousand years. No, don't confuse that. God is still creating. He pulled a man, Abraham, out of Mesopotamian society, out of Ur of the Chaldean society, right? And he reveals himself to Abraham in a deep and profound way, cuts a covenant with Abraham, and then says to Abraham, I am going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make, a, make you a blessing. I'm going to protect you because whoever is your enemy becomes my enemy. Whoever blesses you, I will bless them because we're in relationship with each other. And he said, I'm going to make your name great. And out of you, there will come a seed. Out of you will come a nation. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. That was 430 years before Israel was birthed through Moses moving and leading them out of Egypt. So God was at work creating a nation. God was at work creating a nation. He didn't make a big announcement about it except to a small group, right? So God is still active in creation. He's still creating And how God controls the process of time is by controlling information that is released into human society. You've got to get what I just said. He controls the process of time by controlling information that is released into human society. Was quantum physics in existence during the days of Moses? Absolutely. He didn't know about it. But it existed. Everything that we're discovering today was already in existence back then. But it wasn't time for that kind of information to be released. And this is why God is very, very strict on how we access information. And when we try to access information, especially about the future, through witchcraft, sorcery, Necromancy, necromancy, however you want to pronounce it, and all of these other things, they're forbidden. Access to that kind of information is forbidden. Why? Because information influences the growth and development of society. So God puts certain boundaries on information. And when we're too dumb enough to discover it, God will make it happen by accident. How do you think penicillin was discovered? By accident. Somebody left something in the lab, came back, boom, penicillin. It wasn't quite that simple, but it was an accident. It was accidentally discovered. How many understand what I'm talking about? So many things that affect our lives happen by accident. Right, <laughs> right down. Let me get really simple with you, right? So there was a woman, she would frequent a restaurant in Saratoga, New York. And she went there 
And she wanted um, french fries, but in those days, it was sliced. So the guy served it, and she complained because they were too thick. She sent them back. He sliced it a little thinner, brought it back. She complained again. It was too thick. The chef got fed up. The cook got fed up, so he decided to slice it so thin that she couldn't complain anymore, and he did it, salted it up, and sent it to her. She loved it. They bagged it and called it Saratoga chips. You know it today as potato chips. It's amazing how things happen. How many believe that God is in control of everything? Yeah, I can go on with examples, popsicles and everything else that we take for granted and how they happen accidentally. God is still creating. He created a nation. 430 years after he announced it to Abraham, right? He creates a nation. Jesus says, I will build my what? Church. The church, as Jesus announced it, didn't exist. It was something that he created, set in motion, and he continues to build. Through the atonement, he would introduce a new humanity. If any man be in Christ, he or she is a what? A new creation. A creation of what? God. The Bible says that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Christ had to come and reveal himself and atone for humanity before we could be in Christ as a new creation. God is still creating. Whew, man, you need to get hold of that. God is still creating. And we are most like God when we are creative. How is he introduced in the Genesis as Elohim? What does Elohim mean? Creator God. He's introducing creation. So God is at work in creation. He's at work in providence, guiding, protecting, and providing for humanity. He's at work in judgment. He's judging. You read the book of Daniel, what did he do? He judged a leader, Nebuchadnezzar. He judged a nation and judged subsequent nations as well, determining their rise and fall. Is he judging America? Is he judging other nations in the world? Absolutely. He's a judge. He's a judge. It's part of what he does. So he's creating. He's moving in providence. He's moving in judgment. And lastly, he's at work in redemption. He's at work in redemption. He's at work redemptively in human society, redeeming our lives. Redeeming our mistakes. Redeeming what societies have done to mess things up. And he comes in and he makes them right. 
He's involved in redeeming, redeeming institutions. You've got to see that God is not standing on the sidelines watching us mess it up. He's involved. He's at work. He's at work in your family. He's already preparing to make sure that someone, at least one person, is saved in anticipation of the next generation so there'll be a witness in your family for the next generation. God is at work, folks. He's at work in four primary areas. What are they? He's not on vacation. Didn't take it. Time off. When the disciples were in the boat and the storm was coming, Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping. And they confused his humanity with his divinity. His humanity was asleep. But his divinity, always awake. The psalmist said it so beautifully, he that keeps Israel never slumbers and never sleeps. You know, sometimes things can go, get so stressful, you got to sleep with one eye open. How many have ever been there? <laughs> but guess who has both eyes open? He that made the eye. He sees. He's watching. He's caring. He's preparing. This is all about his providence. God is at work. So when we think of ages, times, and seasons, we're talking about what? God at work. God is at work. And it's up to us to discern what he's doing politically, what he's doing intellectually within a society. Societies are our traditions, beliefs that are passed from one generation to another. Societies are our attitudes, intellectual and emotional dispositions. Societies are customs, things that are practiced within that society. Societies are institutions that represent those beliefs and those attitudes. Societies are language, a way of speaking and communicating and articulating those beliefs and ideas. God is, come on, at work. So when we think about signs of the times, what we're discerning is God at work. What's he doing? What's he doing in this field, in that field, in that arena, in that area, in that institution, in that geographic location? He's at work in East New York. He wanted to build a big, affordable housing development. So first, he had to plan a church. You got to put this together, folks. It's not happening in a vacuum. It's not happening in isolation. You're here because he wanted you here. It's all part of a plan. And he does it without violating your will. He knows how to make you willing. <laughs> knows how to give you a little help. And sometimes we need a little help. You say in the whole church, I feel my help coming on. Yeah. 
Yeah. God is at work. Four key areas. Come on. And we're going to use this as a framework to take a look at the signs of the times. I got to stop here. Did you get anything out of that today? God is at work, especially at work within you, to will and to do of his good pleasure, Philippians says. Come on, let's all stand. Now, those of you who continue to join us from your living room, <laughs> the only ones with an excuse, uh, no, I can't say that, can't say that. We're glad that you're a part of us here. Whether you are across the country, around the world, even across the street. We're glad you're a part of our spiritual family. And thank you for all of the letters and praise reports that we're getting from our online members that are all over the country and all over the world. Keep those cards and letters coming in. They're a blessing to hear how the ministry is changing your life. But here we are. And this is the moment where we give opportunity for those individuals who don't know Jesus Christ who don't have a personal relationship with him, who have not surrendered their life to him as Lord, that our minister will come and lead us in prayer. Praise God. If that person is you on this morning, you have not allowed God to be at work in your life. I invite you on this morning to just stop where you are and say, Lord, it is I. I need you at work in my life. Through the difficulties, through the ups and through the downs, through sickness, through crime, violence, everything happening in our city, in our country, I personally need you to be at work in my life. If you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior on today, I want you to make a decision right now to accept him into your life. And if that person is you, let me see you raise your hand. If you are on our internet campus, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if he's not at work in your life, today is a good day yeah. Yeah. to accept him as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask the congregation to join with me and repeat with me, along with me, dear Jesus, today, I accept you, I accept you into, my life into my life as my Lord, as my Lord and, my and my Savior. I denounce, I denounce my, plan, my plan, my provision, my provision for, my for my life. And I accept, and I accept all, all 
of your provision. From this day forward, I call you Lord and Savior of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer along with us for the very first time, I want you text the number that's on the screen, call in and say, I accepted Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want him now to be at work in my life. You in the sanctuary, if you made that decision, I want you to come forth. Raise your hand and you can just come forth. I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to ask the Lord to do something special with you and for you. To let you know that you are not alone in this struggle. To let you know God wants to be at work in your life. I don't see anyone moving, anyone stirring. So we thank God for everyone that has prayed that prayer. And my brothers and my sisters, I encourage you today. Don't stop allowing Jesus to be at work in your life. God bless you. Thank you, Elder Beverly. God made it easy, a simple prayer. Believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we pass from death into life, from darkness into light. Can I pray over you as we close? Heavenly Father, thank you for this army, indeed an army of witnesses testify to your love, your life, and your light here in the world. Continue to guide us, provide for us, and protect us as we endeavor to be light in the darkness. Bless us now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's say something good as we leave this place, but never God's presence. Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless. God bless.